Grace and peace in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And welcome to worship with Morrisville Presbyterian Church. Whether you are a longtime member or a first-time visitor with us this morning, it is a joy to be able to worship with all of you this day. I wanted to share a couple of announcements with you all this morning. As Rachel mentioned last Sunday, her husband Matt had a major surgery on Tuesday of this past week. That surgery went well, and Rachel expressed a big sigh of relief. They did have a small complication this week, as this morning Matt had to have another routine surgery, but Rachel assured me this morning that Matt already had the surgery, he is already out of surgery, and doing laps around the unit. So we give thanks for the gifts of modern medicine, and Rachel made sure to mention how much Matt, Rachel, and the rest of the family appreciates the care, concern, and prayers of this MPC community. So we continue to lift them up in our prayers. I also wanted to share good news regarding the COVID-19 organ recital that was performed by Britt Montoro a couple of weeks ago. Due to Britt's generous display of talent, generous giving of this church and community, we raised over $2,745 that Sunday afternoon to help folks affected by the pandemic. So on behalf of the church staff and the community, I wanted to thank you for so generously supporting people who are facing evictions and other emergencies related to the pandemic. Finally, it is a joy to welcome the Reverend Dr. Tom Toole back to worshiping with us at Morrisville Presbyterian Church. Tom has been a Presbyterian pastor for over 40 years, leading congregations in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Texas, and New York. He currently works with congregations around the country through his organization called Macedonian Ministry, as well as helping young preachers through the Zik Preacher Scholar Program. We are grateful that distance could not keep Tom from leading us in worship this morning, as he will be preaching by a video from California. So as we venture into the season of Lent, let us wit witness the ways the Spirit is moving in new ways. Let us worship God together. Please turn to your bulletin and join me in our responsive call to worship. God has made a covenant with us, a promise for all of time, a promise that began with Noah, a ribbon of vibrant color in the sky. God has made a covenant with us, a promise for all of time, a vow that continued with Abraham, the uncountable stars in the heavens would all be gifts from God. God has made a covenant with us, a promise for all of time. With Moses and the refugees who crossed the Red Sea, words to order life in peaceful community, God has made a covenant with us, a promise for all of time. For David and those who would come after him, that they would inherit it all. 
God has made a covenant with us, a promise for all of time. In Jesus, the Christ, Prince of Peace, who calls us to new life, invites us to live the promise and the covenant with our lives, without fear, with total abandon. We gather today to worship, to remember the promise of the covenant, and to go out into a world where rainbows still grace the skies. Let us worship God together. Friends, God has made a covenant with us, a sacred pact, a loving relationship, where even when we fall short, God still claims us as God's own. So let us turn to our God now and admit our faults and shortcomings as we confess our sins using the prayer of confession as it is printed in your bulletin, followed by a time for silent confession. Your promises seem distant, O God, the further we journey through this life. The pain is so deep, the regret so debilitating, the anger so consuming, and the uncertainty so overwhelming that a promise of your love and care for us seems silly. In our need for greater certainty, we make our own path without you. But somewhere deep within, we know we are wandering lost. Cast your vision over us again, that we might see your abundance and hold to your promises as trustworthy and true. As Noah and his family were brought safely through the, through the flood onto dry ground, so in baptismal waters we are brought forth from death into new life in Christ. Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God, forgives us and reconciles us and all things in heaven and on earth. Thanks be to God for this good news. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Hello there, young friends. It is great to see you all again. I would like to show you something, and it is right here. I'm wondering if you can see what's next to me, this tree. I hope you can see it. And I'm wondering what you see on this tree. What do you notice? That's right. There's these white lights at the end of the branches. Else do you notice? That's true too. There is, it's, the tree's color is a dark color. It's a, a, a black or a dark brown. And I'm not sure if you noticed that one other thing that I think about when I see this tree 
is that there's not a lot of things on it. Normally when we see a tree, we think of leaves, maybe bright colored, or needles like pine needles that are green. Sometimes we see other things on a tree like birds or, or butterflies or insects or berries or acorns, something like that. But this tree doesn't have anything on it. It is barren. This is our Lenten tree, the tree that's going to be with us throughout all of Lent. And at the beginning of Lent, it's going to start with nothing on it. It's going to be barren. We started Lent this past Wednesday, on Ash Wednesday. And in a way, we also are kind of like the tree. Normally throughout life, we have other things that we surround ourselves with, other bright colors or activities. But during Lent, we take the time to recognize the barrenness, the sometimes the nothingness, the, the small basic parts of our lives. And one of those things that we remembered on Ash Wednesday was that at the very basic thing, we are in relationship with God, who made us from the beginning. We were dust. And God created us to be, to be human beings. And so, while this tree is barren now, it won't be that way forever. Instead, we have these Lenten bags that you should have received this week, or you will be receiving this week. And in it is something special that can help you with this tree. It's going to help us with the tree. In this envelope, which is in your bag, is a butterfly. I hope you can see it. Mine is purple. And what we're going to do is we're going to ask you to get with your family and to think of one or two words that you can write on the inside of your butterfly. It could be a word that, that you're thinking about a lot. It could be something you hope for. It could be something you're trying to give away or not do as much anymore. But think of a word that comes to you naturally during Lent. And you're going to write it with your family on the inside. And then we're going to put the butterflies, after you send them to us in the church, on the tree. And we're going to start building the tree with all the butterflies in the congregation. We're going to watch our Lenten tree grow from barrenness, from the beginning, to a celebration of color and words and growth and transformation as we approach Easter Sunday. So do you think you can do that? Can you think of a word and send it in with, by writing it on the butterfly? Do you think you could do that for us? Okay, great. All right, let us pray. Repeat after me. God, we thank you for trees and Lent and butterflies. And we pray that you help us grow this Lent and remind us of your love. Amen. Until next time, young friends. It's a great joy for me to be at Morrisville Presbyterian Church today. I wish I could be with you in person, but in this time of pandemic, it's wiser to be just with you on recording. I'm in California and recording this message for you here in California so it can be delivered to you in Morrisville, Pennsylvania. 
And I want to thank my good friend Rachel Rhodes for this kind invitation to preach on the first Sunday of Lent. And I'm delighted and honored and privileged to be pinch hitting for her today. Our scripture today is from Genesis chapter 15. And this is a great scripture as we begin a sermon series on learning to walk in the dark. What does it mean to trust God in times of darkness? Listen for the word of God in Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. God brought Abram outside and said, Look toward heaven. And count the stars, if you are able to count them. Then God said to him, No, shall your descendants be exactly as these stars in the sky. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, pour through me, please, the gift of preaching so that these words might truly not be human words or human opinions, but by a miracle of your grace, these words might become your living word to us. And we know they will be, O God, for we pray with anticipation, and we pray in the strong name of Jesus, the risen and the reigning Christ. Amen. Some years ago, my family and I had the great privilege of visiting Mammoth Cave in Kentucky. Now, let me tell you, Mammoth Cave is aptly named. It is huge. It is mammoth. Mammoth Cave has 52,000 acres underground, and those 52,000 acres make their way into over 400 miles of winding passageways under the ground into deep caverns under the ground. It is the longest cave system in the world, more than twice as long as any other cave system in the world. The second most is a cave in Mexico, but it's more than twice that long. It is a mammoth cave. Well, after my wife and two sons and I had toured the cave, we got to the very end, and our guide had about 40 other people with us as we were taking the tour. And the guide took us to this big, massive mammoth rotunda. And the guide said, now, before we end the tour, I want to just try a little experiment. I'm going to count to one, and on the count of one, I want you to close your eyes. Then I'm going to count to two, and I'm going to turn out the lights. And then I'm going to count to three, and on the count of three, I want you to open your eyes. So when he said one, we all yelled out one, and we all closed our eyes. He said two, we all yelled out two, and he turned out the lights. And then he said three, we all yelled out three, and we opened our eyes, and we couldn't believe it. It was as dark in three as it was in one. In fact, with one, there was even kind of a little bit of light when we just closed our eyes. But when he turned out the light down there, there was no light whatsoever. And actually, we were in total darkness. Then our guide continued the tour. <laughs> 
he said. Now, I want to tell you a little more about Mammoth Cave. It was discovered long ago, but we began taking people in, giving them tours back in 1941. We average about 500,000 or more people every year touring Mammoth Cave. So it's safe to say we've had over 40 or maybe even 50 million visitors in Mammoth Cave. But friends, it is the strangest thing. We've actually lost some people in Mammoth Cave who were touring here. We don't know how it happened. We don't know whether they drowned in some of the river streams that would kind of flow in and out of Mammoth Cave. We don't know whether they were bitten by a wild animal down here. And we're in total darkness. And I'm thinking to myself, why is he bringing this up now? You know, he doesn't need to be mentioning this. I mean, he could just keep these thoughts to himself. And then I'm thinking, you know, I hate Mammoth Cave. I hate Kentucky. I hate uh, caves. I hate the guide. And then the guy did something that I'll never forget. Because we were a little nervous when he told us that he might leave us in the darkness. He was kidding us. But we laughed a little bit. But then he did something that quelled all our fears, gave us hope, and gave us faith. You know what it was? He lit a match. And lit the match to the candle, put the candle in this glass vase, and just held it up for us. And there was light around. And now the cave was still dark, but, but it was a little light, enough light that he could guide us one step at a time out of the darkness into the light. Notice, our guide did not eliminate the darkness. Our guide illuminated the darkness. Remember that. Why is darkness so scary? Barbara Brown Taylor, in her book, Learning to Walk in the Dark, says that darkness has always represented the unknown. In fact, she says in, through literature and art and sculpture and film, all through the ages, darkness has always represented the unknown. Darkness has always represented a time in our life when we're at a loss. We don't know what to do. We can't even see the, the hand in front of our face. We can't see people right near us. In the dark, when it's really total darkness... We can't really see anything, and we're very afraid because we represent the unknown. We don't know where to go and where to turn and what to do and what to say and how we're going to get there, and, and we are absolutely lost. We're paralyzed. We feel alone and without any hope. In our text for today, Abraham and Sarah are in a very dark place, and if you read Genesis starting in chapter 11, you can see why they're in such a dark place. Genesis 11, verse 30, describes Sarah, Abram's wife, in a pejorative term. It says she is barren. Now, that may not seem like much to us, but in that day, a woman who was fertile and had children was blessed by God, everyone thought. But a woman who couldn't have children, who was barren, who was waiting for a child, well, people thought there was something wrong with her. God wasn't blessing her. There must be something wrong with her. And they whispered about her. And they gossiped about her. And she went to market. She went into the fields. And the people would say, there's Sarah. She's barren. She can't have a child. And everybody wondered what might have been in her life that prevented God from giving her children. And they gossiped about her mercilessly. Then in chapter 12, God says to Abram, your descendants will be as many as a great nation. I will make of you a great nation, Abram. And Abram was pleased that God was going to bless him and Sarah and give them children and make of them a great nation. 
But in the rest of Genesis 12, no child. Genesis 13, 14, and we get to Genesis 15, where we are today. There's still no child. And Abram's starting to wonder, is the child ever going to come? But here is where we learn something great about talking to God in the dark. Abram is honest with God. He tells God what's on his mind and heart, and Abram's bewildered and befuddled, and frankly, he's angry, and he's wrestling with God, and he's fencing with God, and he's fighting with God, and he's angry with God. He's disappointed with God. Have you ever been angry at God or disappointed with God, and you fence with God, or you wrestle with God, or you fight with God? And Abram tells God his complaint. He tells God that Eleazar his slave will be his only heir. God's got to do something, but, but God doesn't seem in a hurry to do anything. But God does say to Abram, you see those stars of the sky? Can you count them? Even if you can't even begin to count them, let me tell you, Abram, as many as the stars are in the sky, so will your descendants be. Have you ever been out on a starry night and seen the many stars? Well, well there's hundreds of them. There's thousands of them. And all of a sudden, Abram realizes that God means business, that he's going to have the child. Now, there's still no child there, and there's no empirical evidence that there's going to be a child. But as Abram looks up, he realizes, if God is right, that I'm going to have as many descendants as the stars in the sky, this is really going to be something. And then verse 5 and 6 say something amazing, that Abram believed God. And when he had faith, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. This is an amazing story. It's like God lit a match. Even though Abram wasn't sure, he was in total darkness, God lit a match. And suddenly, Abram started to believe by faith that maybe they really would have children. And then the Bible says, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Abram believed God. There's no scientific evidence of it yet. There's no sign of a child, and, and they're getting older. But Abram believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, the Apostle Paul took these, this phrase in Genesis 15. It was reckoned to him as righteousness. And in Galatians and in Romans, Paul refers back to this and says, Abram was really the model of faith. He didn't have any proof that God was going to come through, but he believed it. And because he had a little bit of faith, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And think about what God did. Just showed Abram the stars in the sky. And out of that, Abram believed. It was like God lit the match and gave him enough light to take a step and then a step and then a step and then a step and then another step. God lit a match for Abram, and Abraham had faith. Martin Luther took all of this theology of Paul and made the Protestant Reformation and said that he believed that we're saved not by works as the Roman Catholic Church was believing, but he believed we're saved by grace through faith. It's a pure, unmerited gift of grace. We can't earn it in any way. And the way we assimilate grace is by faith. And Abraham, Paul says, and Luther says, is the model of our faith. And then Robert McAfee Brown, a 20th century theologian, studied the works of Paul and of Martin Luther. And he said, faith is not a problem to be solved. It is a mystery to be wondered. In other words, God doesn't eliminate the darkness. God doesn't answer all of our questions. We often are walking in darkness in doubt. But God will illuminate the darkness. God will give us enough light to take one step 
and then another, and then another, and then another. And that's what Abram did. But here's the interesting thing. In chapter 16, no baby of Genesis. Chapter 17, God changes Abram's name from Abram, exalted father, to Abraham, father of a multitude. And Abram thinks, well, maybe now something's going to happen. But in chapter 18 and 19 and 20, there's still no baby. The baby doesn't come till chapter 21 in Genesis. And by this time, Abraham who's been promised a child, and Sarah are old. The Bible says Abram was 99 years old. And when Abram told Sarah they were going to have a child, and when God told Sarah, she laughed. And when their child was born, the child's name was Isaac, one who laughs. Oh, my friends, I wish I could take a walk with every one of you in Morrisville, Pennsylvania. I, I'd love to do it socially distanced, of course, but I'd love to ask you the question, when have you been in darkness? When have you been waiting for a promise to come to you? When has there been a time of darkness that kind of enveloped you like a mammoth cave? I'll bet if we were to talk about the dark times in our life, we would talk about illness that we've had or a family member's had. I'll bet we might talk about chemical dependency or alcoholism. If you've had a family member with alcoholism or chemical dependency, you know it's one of the toughest things in life. I'll bet we talk about death, the death of a sibling or a parent or a child or a spouse. Death is not easy. I'll bet we talk about all the losses of COVID, how we haven't been able to visit people. And maybe we have a, a mother or a grandmother in a home, and we can't go visit them except looking through the window and waving at them. But it's excruciatingly painful if we were to talk about all these dark places, I'll bet we would talk about some of those things. But here's the interesting thing. Darkness in this text is not the last word on today. Darkness, even though it's in a mammoth cave, darkness didn't envelop Abraham and Sarah. They still had faith. Even though Sarah laughed at God, they still had faith. It was reckoned to them as righteousness that somehow God would come through with a promise. They didn't understand how it was going to happen, but somehow they believed God would give them a child. God gave them enough light to take one step, then another, then another, then another, and the child finally came. I wonder if there's anybody listening to this message who's in a dark space right now. You know, life is a series of darkness. We've either been in a dark space in the past or we're in a dark space now or we will be in a dark space in the future. But, but I want to speak tenderly as I close to all those who are in a dark space right now, bewildered, angry at God, fencing with God, fighting with God. And what I want to say is that darkness is not the last word on today. Years ago, I was at Princeton Theological Seminary as a student. Suzanne and I had been married just a few months, and we were just uh, newlyweds, and we were making a trip from Princeton Theological Seminary, drove, driving at night to my parents' home in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We started out late in the afternoon. It was getting dusk, but, but soon it was pretty dark, and we were on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Maybe you've been on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, going those 257 miles from Philadelphia to Pittsburgh on the PA Turnpike. As we're driving along in total darkness, we looked up, and it was so dark that night, the first time we did it. And you know what I realized? What made it possible for us to go on that long, dark journey? We had headlights, and they shone 30 feet ahead. And then when we got up there, 
we got 30 more feet, then 30 more feet, then 30 more feet, then 30 more feet. And we always got enough light to take the next step, then the next, then the next, on into the darkness. We trusted in our headlights. Do we have the trust in God that we have in our own headlights on our car? I mean, if you think about it, this isn't rocket science, but we have enough light to take a step and then another step. It's like that guide in Mammoth Cave who, who lit the match, and we had enough light to walk one step, then another, then another, out of the darkness of that mammoth rotunda room into the light. My dear Morrisville friends, the next time you or a family member or a loved one is in a very dark place, and the dark places will surely come. Would you remember that darkness is not the last word on today? The last word on today is God. The God revealed, as Luther said and the Apostle Paul said, in Jesus Christ. And if we will believe in that God, have faith in that Jesus Christ, we will be, will be reckoned to us as righteousness too. And we'll be able to follow God on a long, dark journey, step by step by step, because God has given us the light, and we're following God in Jesus Christ one risky step at a time. When we are in a dark time in our life, knowing that God is with us and knowing God gives us one little shaft of light is very, very good news. Don't ever forget it. Friends, please turn to your bulletin and join with me as we affirm our faith through the words of the Apostles' Creed. Together, let us state what we believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Beloved Church, having heard the word read and proclaimed this morning, let us notice the movement of of the Spirit in our lives and in our hearts. As our hymn is offered up as a musical response to the word, let us reflect on the gifts of hope and grace offered to us by God in all seasons, seasons of light and seasons of darkness. But particularly, let us reflect on the gifts of hope and grace offered to us by God in this season.
friends, the grace of God is indeed a mystery. Whether it is the light that brings us forth into darkness, or hearing a sermon over technology through California, it is this grace that we have confidence in to bring to God our prayers. So let us pray. God of the covenant, you spoke of rainbows to Noah and his family, of laws to Moses and the Israelites, and of stars in the night sky to Abram and his descendants. So we bring our prayers before you, the one who brings forth life from the dust and relationship among opposites. Throughout these forty days, unseal within us the wellspring of your grace, and cause your gift of new life to flourish within us, once again as we continue to praise you endlessly. Jesus Christ, you know all too well the fluctuation of human life. As one who has experienced the tears of losing loved ones, comfort those of us who grieve. As one who wept over the faithlessness of your people, guide us towards faithful action. As one who understands the isolation of those who have been deserted, stand alongside those of us who are alone. Where there is need and hurt, and possibility for transformation, we pray for your healing touch and restoring powers that they may be known to all of us. Spirit of the living God, hear our plea before the darkness of the sky. We ask that you strengthen and call us to do your work in this world. Open our ears to the cry of people who are poor. Teach us to seek and to do justice. Plant our feet on the path of understanding. Push us to pursue righteousness and love. Break through the barriers of our own hearts and help us to grasp the bonds of our relationship with you and with one another. We pray all these things in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us how to pray, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Friends, as our friend Tom Toole reminded us, let us trust in our God who does not eliminate the darkness, but illuminates it. Illuminates it in a way and guides us step by step towards greater light. And as we go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, be with those you love, be with those who you're called to love, this day and forevermore. Amen.